Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, and I'm here with my first cup of coffee. <clears throat> it's a very rainy morning. I'm heading out on Rider Commute. Today is Thursday, November 21st. Oh, and here comes a big line of cars heading out on our little two-lane road for the highway with a very slow-moving Jeep in front and one, two, three, four, five, six cars impatiently crowding behind the slowpoke and he is not gonna go any faster than that. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry for you people and your commute rage. <clears throat> so yeah, it's um we got a lot of rain yesterday. I didn't see the actual number, but cleared up for a bit and then started raining again and rained during the night and now it's all foggy and socked in and raining this morning. For those of you who get lots of rain, I know that's uh, not interesting, but for us, <laughs> it's amazing to get this much. Oh, and then Mr. Jeep turned off at the little local gym here. He didn't care. He's not even going to into work. Yeah, I must not feeling very wordy this morning. I slept super hard last night. I'm not exactly sure why. I got good work done on the fate of the Tala yesterday. Um, past my 3,000 words. Come on, folks. See, now it's me being impatient. You know, it's like when the light turns green and you know they're just sitting there looking at their phone. <laughs> Since, oh, geez, and this guy nearly veered off the road. He must have had to finish his urgent text. All right, there we go. Now he's paying attention and speeding up. He's ready to focus on the job of actually driving. <laughs> Alas. Um, so yes, I got good work done on the fate of the Tala yesterday. I am past, I don't know, something like 76, 77,000 words. Something like that. I'm obviously not looking at my computer right now, so I'm not 100% certain. But... <laughs> And it's funny, you guys will be amused, but yesterday, after I completed that particular scene, I thought, oh, wait a minute, maybe this is actually the Act 2 climax, because I knew things were still building, I knew things were still getting significantly worse, and so I finished that chapter and thought this this may be the Act 2 climax. So I went ahead and ran my percentages just for grins, and that would put the book at coming out around 104,000 words, uh, which is much more in line with, with everything else that I write. <clears throat> so... Because I was looking at my restructured number of chapters, thinking that it was going to come out around 135,000 words, and I was thinking, I don't know if, now I don't know if I have enough stuff that will fit in to, <laughs> into all of this. Uh, 
but with the 104 restructuring, not only is that a more doable number. Oh, wow, is it foggy here? When I take this back highway, uh, this old Las Vegas highway, it's a little bit more up on the side of the hills. And, yeah, you're going to Cafe Fina. Good. And so the you could rise up into the the fog. Yeah, dense, densely foggy. Much more so than the interstate, which is I don't know what is maybe five hundred feet lower, something like that. I'm not good with distances. David's always the one who can estimate distances. Okay. Okay, keep an eye out, make sure we don't run into anything in this fog, right? So, <laughs> I don't know, you know, this is, I suppose, a good illustration of what it's like for somebody who does the pantsing. Um, you know, who, this is why to me is the gardening works best as a metaphor. The Sorry if the rain makes a lot of noise. That's the problem with having the, the ragtop convertible is that the um, ring makes a lot of sound on the, the roof. Although I love that. I, I just love the sound of rain. And so I love anything that amplifies the sound of rain. It's probably just not good podcasting protocol. But, you know, you plant the seeds and you nurture them and you're just not exactly sure. Even if you know that you're like, saying growing a clematis or clematis, as my grandmother would say. Even if you know what seeds you've planted, you don't necessarily know how big they're going to get or how much space they're going to take up. So... Sometimes I can predict spot on. I think this book, because it's a big wrap-up like this, and because I'm doing something different with the romance, the romance trajectory is really different. So I'm really slipping down my coffee this morning. It is literally my first cup, and with it being such a gray day, it's like, mmm, coffee, coffee, coffee. Did you guys see uh, Annie Belay got a tattoo that says, it's a very cute kitty, like kitty ice cream sundae tattoo, and it says death before decaf. She's so funny. So anyway, it's a good illustration of how the pantsing works because it's as each seed develops and blossoms, as it were, and grows new leaves and shoots, you begin to see the shape of it more and more sometimes as you approach the very end and also you know I've talked a lot about before how you can't conflate the reader's experience with the writer's experience it's not always easy to tell when you've been working on a book for a couple of months and you've you know, written all of these words and pages it's not easy to tell what the speed of the progression of the story is. It's not always easy to tell where in the trajectory you are. Um, you know, like if something's really happening at the proper time. 
you know, like if it's too soon for this emotion. But that is, of course, stuff that you can fix and, and check in revision. And, and interestingly enough, even though I can doubt that kind of thing while drafting, when I get to the point of revising, I, I usually find that it's just fine. So that's a, another example of the having faith in the story is that, you know, just, just let it roll out the way it's supposed to and structure can be a good guide. Knowing where those beats are can be a good guide. But don't be enslaved to that. You know, the, the books like Save the Cat and I don't know what all. You know, there's a lot of people who then write, do books and workshops around the whole Saving the Cat thing or, you know, like, here's how you write a screenplay and you can see how certain movies and so forth are, you know, hit all of those beats spot on. And one thing to keep in mind is that, of course, they are edited to keep the, you know, to hit those beats spot on. You know, there's that great article about how the woman who edited the first Star Wars, which is episode four, inexplicably, George Lucas, uh, that she, you know, they say that she saved Star Wars because she edited in a different pacing and had a change of the structure of Han and Luke at the end and that it's you know that editing and pacing makes a big difference okay person person with the Bernie bumper sticker going 10 miles below the speed limit in front of me (laughs) not that I am judging you They must be looking for a turn or something because they keep slowing down and slowing down. Goodness gracious. And no, he is the Jeep, and I have all of these people behind me, but what can I do? Double yellow line. I'm not sure I'd pass him as fog anyway. This is where I try to practice my compassion and tolerance and imagine that this is somebody who's very old and they are freaking out about the fog. They cannot see, so they're going to go 40 and a 50. So, so some of that's handled in editing and revising. Some of it is faith. But those kinds of things are guideposts. And they're things that are often taken upon post-analysis. You know, like the old saying that hindsight is twenty twenty is very true. It's much easier to see things looking back than as they are unfolding. And a whole lot of these story craft manuals and teaching methods, you know, and so now I'm sort of going back on my whole, you know, we should have a romance workshop that I was talking about yesterday, which I do think we could have, but what you end up doing in classes like that is you analyze what somebody else did that worked. So you take a book or a movie and you say, oh my God, this moved me in these wonderful ways. What did they do? And I, I mean, I have literally done this. Like when I have taught 
writing sex scenes. I have gone to my favorite sex scenes and I broke them down mathematically and found commonalities about the length and rhythm and how they worked. And it's a very useful way to analyze things, but the most important thing to remember is that when the person wrote them, when the author wrote that stuff, they were not doing it mathematically. They were following their own creative judgment. They were following the flow of the story. Whew, a lot of traffic coming in off the interstate. I'm now at Old Pecos Trail here and merging onto Old Pecos and everybody who's coming off the interstate gets onto Old Pecos. I wonder if St. Francis is closed because this is a lot of traffic for it's 10 after 8, but even for being 10 after 8, this is a lot of traffic. Wow. Okay. Now all these people, a lot of people live in Albuquerque and who work in Santa Fe because housing's cheaper in Albuquerque. So they make that drive up, which is about an hour, but you know, it's an hour on the interstate. So, you know, I know a lot of people like spend an hour driving across their city, you know, Columbus or Cincinnati or what have you. I pick those because I have worked in those cities and dealt with their commutes and felt great sympathy for the people. <laughs> you know, if you don't have great public transport and you have a commute like that, boy, that's just grueling. My, um, little drive in for writer coffee hardly counts as any sort of trial in that context, right? So, I think that's this, it, it's, maybe this is why it is so hard to teach pantsing, because so much of the advice, so much of the craft is, um, don't pay attention to any rules, right? It's basically a ruleless method. And that's part of what makes it so delightful to do. Um, I hear some people say that if they outline their book ahead of time, then it's no fun to write. Um, I don't have that experience since I've never actually managed to outline a book ahead of time. But... <laughs> I mean, I guess I could see that, but that is, it is what makes the writing joyful if you can let go of the angst. You sort of have to accept that you're going to have the angst in order to have that joyful sense of discovery. Yeah, I'm sort of mulling that over. I when I talked about that the other day, how you have to have both pieces, I was thinking about the song by, um, I'm trying to think of what her name is, Antia Dovkot. Um, but, and I can't, oh, it's the merry-go-round. I think that's the name of it, yeah. But she says, um, if the night isn't dark enough, the moon won't glow, is one of the lines of the song. It's a lovely, lovely song. Leslie Penelope was talking this week about writing out the lyrics of a song as part of a 
well refilling effort. I thought that was very interesting. You know, and it's funny how the writing worlds overlap because it's a very small world, after all. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, like there are, I don't know if you did the Venn diagrams, you know, there's not always a lot of overlap, but the overlaps are funny. But what was really odd was Leslie Penelope referenced uh, being on a panel with Sarah Pinsker. And Leslie, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Sarah Pinsker is on the board of Cephua with me. So I know Sarah quite well. <laughs> but we, we write very different types of fantasy. All right. Yeah, I think she, I think Sarah probably figures that she writes science fiction. She kind of writes near future science fiction. Anyway, I thought that was funny when you mentioned her. So, this is why it's difficult with teaching this method, because so much of it has to do with your own instincts. You really have to, that's why I call it embracing your creative flow, right? You know, you want to embrace your creative flow as a writer and let it happen. And I know this is very much do as I say, not as I do, because You've been hearing me kind of flail about trying to figure out how long this is going to take me to write and what is the structure and how should things go. But I can vouch that since I have accepted that it was going to take me longer than I thought and that I wasn't where I was on the story that I thought I was, that it is flowing much better. So, you know, there's a lot to be said for taking the time to let the story happen. Now, I have the luxury to do that with this particular book since it's self-publishing. And I did officially library edit, if you saw this, I don't know. But <laughs> she pushed me to set a release date so that she could put it on her fancy calendar. <laughs> Which I'm very amused that your fancy calendar is driving my behavior. Uh, but I committed to January 15th. And I'm just, I, I think it will be, <laughs> famous last words, no problem meeting this release date. I've readjusted with my editor to get this to her before Christmas, and she has two weeks off over Christmas from her day job, so she'll be able to work on it for me, and that means I'll get it back in early January, and I'll have plenty of time to tweak and mess with it until before that January 15th release date. So, but especially now that I think it might come out to only like 104,000 words and not 134,000 words. It's only 10,000 words longer than I originally projected, which is, um, you know, if I'm lucky, three days of writing. So that's, that's not terrible. So I am almost to the coffee shop. It's at least uh, nice and quiet in this part of town. So I will leave you all for the day. I hope that you have a wonderful Thursday. And you, of course, know, but I will remind you that First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Podcast Network, a delightful network of podcasts that you will love. And you can look them up at frolic.media slash podcasts. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.